This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I don't know if you feel it, but the world is forever changed because the cyber truck is here. The cyber beast. Yes. <laughs> beast mode. Well, we watched the video from Jason. We did. Uh, Camisa. Camisa's really excellent video. It, I watched uh, Marcus great. Brownlee as well. I mean, there were a lot of good videos on it out there. Jason's really was fantastic. It was very he good. Was yeah. Very entertaining. And I am trying to extrapolate from watching about the cyber truck mm-hmm. and learning all about it. These videos are well worth a watch. Yep. I'm trying to decide what this means for the future of car design, for the future of the automobile. Because I bet you that there are CEOs of car companies around the world watching these videos too going, holy crap, we don't have anything like that. Nothing that's in the pipeline is going to do anything that stats are, are named from anything, from any category, whether it's bulletproof or mm. it could drive on the bottom of the ocean practically. <laughs> That's certainly, they certainly would like you to believe that whatever idea you've got, the cyber truck will do it. Yes. It, that is the takeaway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't just do it. Oh, yeah. It, it, because it, it rules everybody at can it. do it that rules thing. It rules at just, it. Yeah. It dominates yes. everyone at this thing that it can do. Truly, I am fascinated that this exists. <laughs> And I'm fascinated to drive it. And I have mm-hmm. enjoyed the videos of the people that had early access. And I look forward to actually driving it. We want to put it in a comparison because, of course, we do. There's a lot of interesting stuff about it. I've had a couple of kind of headlined thoughts on it. Again, we haven't driven it. Mm-hmm. haven't even seen one in person yet. So we are, we are totally just throwing out ideas here. I really hope, to your point, this is not a harbinger of styling to come. Doom? I, hope, I, I literally <laughs> hope that it doesn't sell a ton. And I don't mean that as any kind of critique on what it can or can't do. I hope this is like seeing an exotic car. That they're okay. out there, okay. that they turn your head because, oh my gosh, there's a Cybertruck. I don't want to see Cybertrucks like Model Ys. Because if we do that, <laughs> yep. what will happen is then all of the other car companies will decide that, oh, well, that's the styling everybody wants. And everything's going to look like a slab-sided concept car that actually is a movie extra. And frankly, mm-hmm. I don't think that is an attractive styling. It is standout. It stands out it, like it crazy. Is, it, yes. it is standout in the same way as the craziest exotic you've ever seen or the guy mm-hmm. that built his own car. It stands out in that kind of, what is that kind of way? And I think in that area, I hope to see a few, but I don't want to see them like you see Ford F-150s because it's not attractive enough to be no. mainstream. I just hope this doesn't tell car companies, like you said, this is what good styling means and this is what consumers want because no. that's not really why they're buying it, even though I know there's people who think it looks good. When we do our review, mm. I am going to stand next to it with a long straight edge. So far, I have seen none of the reviewers, the early access people, stand next okay. to it with a straight edge and we shall see. I'm going to take some measurements. No, I'm not. I just want to see how straight the body panels are. Well, that's that, all I want to know. That's talk about. The thing is that Tesla did a, and I will say this on video when we drive it, and I hope it lives up to this statement, but Tesla did a total like industry on notice watershed moment with the Model S. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't feel like they've revolutionized since. They have been building okay. on that idea, which at the time when it was dropping, 2009, 2010, 2012, mm-hmm. that kind of era, it was like, what is this thing? 
True. Okay. Yeah. And the, the Tesla Cybertruck suggests that they've done it again, that they've had another <laughs> the like Cybertruck can go to space. Have big jump for probably. It probably will. It'll be put in the, the Falcon Heavy whatever and go to space because, you know, then then it'll be beast in space. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's got to shoot one over to Mars. Yes. Uh-huh. And it's got to cruise around on Mars because you don't even need a space suit. If you buy <laughs> one of these trucks... You can get shot on one of my rockets to space. You'll take it to Mars and cruise around on Mars for the weekend in your cyber beast. It's just, it is apparently here to save us all. It is the only vehicle that matters. It's the only vehicle that matters. Nothing else could be fun or fast or interesting or nothing. It's Cybertruck above all. And that's what I actually don't like about it. But I think the fact that it exists at all is fascinating. The fact that the reviews so far about the fact that it works and it does new cool things is wonderful. Yes. I just don't want to see them everywhere. And it, this isn't this isn't the all things should be like this model. I'm sorry, but it's not. I mean, the takeaway is sort of like car companies besides Tesla don't need to exist. Every oh, other car sure. company oh, of course. doesn't have a good idea. They nope. don't build good products. Nope. They don't really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't need to exist for that matter. Yep. And all you need is the Cybertruck. Yes. That's it. That is the messaging. Even though it doesn't get as good a range as it was advertised for and it... More expensive than they originally thought, but mm-hmm. you know what? That's the whole business model. Overpromise and underdeliver, right? <laughs> it seems to be working just fine for them. <laughs> but this at least does some of those moonshot ideas they have executed better. Again, I am fascinated to drive it. I really, really want to drive it. The only yes, actual yes. non-auto journalist information that I've gotten on this was we had somebody contact our show anonymously, mm-hmm. and they were involved in driving an early test vehicle. And their comment was that it drove a lot better than their Toyota 4Runner. And I thought, it better. <laughs> I mean, You're I right. just, that's that's a low bar in current modern <laughs> trucks better. even. But anyway, so we'll see. I mean, you've heard of Space Fiero, right? Well, yeah. here's the cyber beast. Mm-hmm. I want to drive it on the bottom of the ocean. I want to drive it to the Mariana Trench. And you just make sure your windows are rolled up. Yep. And you can just drive it down into like start in Indonesia we'll, and we'll just call drive James it Cameron. Down. I'm sure he has no questions for us about how that works. <laughs> or yeah. shoot it on a rock and drive it around on the planet of your choice. Probably. Yes. Quick reminder, everybody, we actually are still doing our own videos. I know that sounds crazy as we talk about a lot of other people's. We have not been in the Cybertruck yet, but we have <laughs> been in Cybertruck yes, videos. We have been in a lot of fun cars. We are doing our price of fun video. It comes out this Friday. We will actually announce it again on Friday's podcast. We decided to do Friday to kind of tee you up for the weekend. It's going to be every bit of an hour. So uh, I'm very excited about that piece. This has been all hands on deck. We have all been editing chunks of it where I'm mm-hmm. putting it all together. It is coming together really, really well. And it is funny. Here we are. Winter has, has struck in Park City. And I'm watching these gorgeous cars in great colors in the middle of the summertime drive fast. And I'm going, oh, that looks so much fun. I hope you guys are going to feel the same. It's a really fun piece. When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use foaming surface wash and polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the cordless foaming sprayer. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride. Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. 
Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. You guys have been very faithful writing car conclusions to us, and we're going to go through some some unique ones here. Yeah, there's some good ones here for sure. We've got Gary Meyer who bought a Boomer Mobile and he loves it. <laughs> I had to keep reading Gary because I wasn't sure what you were referring to because there's many Boomer Mobiles out there. Yeah, I was I, I was having to read to figure out what car that means, and what's actually <laughs> happened here is you've accidentally done another just wonderful review where you're talking about watershed moments of what happened when Lexus decided to get serious and announce itself. <laughs> That's true. Gary bought, as a winter car, the everyday car to complement his 996 Targa. He needed something that will just run. It's quick, half decent inside. So he bought an 07 Lexus LS460. Yep. <laughs> He's so impressed with the features in a car this old. It's got GPS, heated and cooled seats, backup camera, keyless entry, push button start. He said it's not perfect. The paint and body work have issues. I wonder what a Cybertruck's going to be like, like, you know... 20 years from now. Fine well, or not fine? Apparently, the rest of the world is going to be an atomic wasteland and the Cybertruck's going to look new. That's tr- Yeah, that's, that's, that's at least the marketing information. Moving well, on. It's all zombies <laughs> and then a shiny Cybertruck. That's all that's left. Crumbling well, stuff in the background. Cybertruck looks great. Is this a film? You've got a script going? I mean, you know, that, this loose, is what they're hoping for. Yeah. Loose concept yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. Well, Gary's Lexus is not perfect. It's got a 380 horsepower V8, though, and he said if this car had a manual... He bet it would be valued two or three times more the current market value. He bought it for $7,000. Nicely done. A 2007 loaded out Lexus LX460 for $7,000. By the way, that is not Phaeton shopping. That is much smarter shopping than Phaeton shopping. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh-huh. He said they get real winters where he is. It's rear-wheel drive. Should he get real winter tires? You should get real winter tires. Yes. You should for the, especially the rear-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't just think about, I'll just try to get away with blank. Yeah. You should get genuine winter tires for that car. Agreed. Garrett is in Missouri, and he wanted to give us an update on his car. Due to unforeseen circumstances, they had to buy earlier than they planned and lower their budget to about $20,000. Okay. But after test drive homework, they were torn between a Veloster Turbo Ultimate mm. and the last generation Ford Fusion Sport. But the eventual decision was that their Boxster should become his daily, and Garrett's wife bought the Fusion Sport. So she had final say. I get it, but you're now dailying a boxer. That's good news. Okay, yeah. That is cool. Garrett, I really appreciate you writing. I really appreciate your consideration and then doing what is necessary for you guys. Well, That's what I, excellent. I love about this the most is that you and your wife both were involved in the buying process. That's key. And also the fact that by kind of digging into your car love and listening to the show and other things, you both realized that, and you say it here, life is too short to drive boring cars. You collectively decided that, and you've both learned to drive manual, and a few years ago, neither of you could. Yes. So you have the Boxster, yes. you have a manual drive experience, your wife has the Fusion Sport that she's loving the all-wheel drive sedan. I just think it's fantastic you guys are saving the manuals, and you both were like, this is interesting. Let's learn manual, and cars are cool. We're thrilled to have you with us. <laughs> Garrett, well bought. Sinisha is writing in. His nickname is Z. And I didn't know at first why his nickname was Z. 
and I'm reading and I'm reading. And he said that he found us because of my Lotus Elise piece because he was considering buying one in the midst of a string of other cars. We'll get there. And now he's realized we have a podcast. He's listening along and he's celebrating his 40th year and he's writing us an email while he looks at his 2018 Julia Quadrifoglio and kind of thanks us for pushing him to get that. And he loves it. I'm still going, why, do you, why are you called Z? Why is it Z? <laughs> and then he says his car history includes a 1990 300ZX naturally aspirated manual, followed by one of my favorite sentences about Z cars ever, a string of twin turbo Z32 300ZXs, he said, all manual, all varying colors, and all with the exact same power steering fluid leaks. You are a man who has owned Z32s. I've had two, and they had exactly the same power steering oh leak. Gosh. Apparently, Nissan was not able to make that hose work. So they just leak. And I think it's hysterical that Z has had that exact experience. And But you've owned many other things, but you don't even tell us how many your string of Z32 twin turbo cars clearly enough that you earned the nickname Z. That's amazing. Your string of other cars include an 04 WRX, an 05 WRX STI, 08 Audi S4, and then you went to an 06 Mini Cooper R53, the Checkmate Edition with the John Cooper Works Love package. It. A Ducati Monster was thrown in there and you had a Silverado while you had the bike, but then you kept going with an 02 Porsche 986 Boxster that you bought with 50,000 miles on it. And then with photos attached, the Z sends us an 04 Volvo S60 in flash green over the orange interior with a manual transmission. Talk is, about a unicorn. That's almost one of those cars you can, don't do this, by the way. You could park at Cars and Coffee with a laminated sign. It's almost one of those cars. Seriously. How many of those are there? Anyway. People will hate themselves for talking to you because you'll just unload stats. Yep. You'll just stand there waiting for somebody unsuspecting. Wait, let me tell you about my laminated box here. Anyway, moving on. Then came a 2014 Audi S5 Prestige manual with a sport diff. He said, a little broken, but low miles and a very quick fix. He had a supercharged V6 manual that was fun to drive. Mm. He sold the Boxster, sold the Audi, and then ended up with this Alpha, who's, and Z's Minister of Finance has been very understanding and supportive of his <laughs> automotive ADD. <laughs> and your car-related nickname. Anyway, yes. <laughs> exactly. One of his dream cars has been a V8-gated Audi R8. Ooh, which is, those are good. Those are really good. I wonder if those, uh, if they haven't already, start to kind of dip and then go back up in value because mm. those are, that's They're the very sweet cool. spot for the R8. I think the thing that happens with the R8, because I actually like that V8 as well. It's the same variation on the V8 that was actually in my Phaeton, which is crazy to think about. Oh it was gosh, in the S4. Right. 4.2, right? It, it was in the S4, the RS4, maybe that's a different Yeah, engine, RS4, I think the, the same. RS4, the S4, the R8, and the Phaeton is all essentially the <laughs> same engine. And depending upon where they put it in, it, random bits of service become harder or easier. I forget what the service was, but it was something I needed done on the Phaeton. And I was told, my our mechanic, who's great, said to me with a straight face, well, if you had the R8 instead, this would be easy. Oh my I was like, gosh. It's like, okay, all right, fine. But they anyway. charge you more because it would be an R8. Because so it'd be an R8. No, but, but, but the thing is that V8 uh, in that R8, I think the V10s are the ones that everybody's seeking out. But the V8 gated manual is a really cool car. Anyway. I, the side blade looks cool to my eye now. I agree. It was sort of like, what are you doing, Audi? And now it looks iconic yep. on that car. Z wants to end up in a 981 Cayman GTS manual or a nicely optioned S. Should be somebody you can talk to Caymans about. We'll have to find them. I'm glad your wife is a saint putting up with you, Z, with you and your car disease. Well bought. And it just sounds like you're enjoying life and enjoying all the cars that you're able to afford. That's that amazing. Alpha Quadrifoglio is such a cool car. Dammy is writing in from Virginia and 
Dammy has been with us forever. Forever. Like yeah. as long as I can remember video comments and podcast comments. Thank you, man, for listening and watching. We know you've been around a long time. We really appreciate it. This did not go where I expected because I remember <laughs> yeah. Dammy had a 2007 Subaru Legacy GT that he loved and he modded it and it was great. And then it blew a head gasket Subaru at uh, 220,000 miles. I, that's not me saying it. I mean, I'm saying it currently, but my point is <laughs> I'm saying it because many, many others have had that experience. Yeah, I'm very sorry. And you were, you were heartbroken. And you bought a 1996 Chevy Cheyenne pickup because you and your wife were moving into and furnishing and working on and remodeling a home. And you were like, you know what? I'm tired of borrowing trucks. So you bought it for $3,000 off Facebook with almost 400,000 miles and embraced truck life for exactly one year. See, that's how to buy a pickup truck. Yeah, it right is. Right there. He did it right. I have a project that needs a truck for a yes. while. There is a ticking clock over this vehicle. I am buying one that runs. And if I throw stuff in it from across the construction site and it dents something, I don't care. And then it gets sold. And then he said, when the transmission on the Cheyenne finally died, he told his wife he needed a new vehicle and he didn't care if it was cheap. It just needed to be fun. See, yes. His overseer of monetary dispensation, OMD, gave him three criteria. <laughs> had to be cheap, it had to be automatic, since she can't drive a manual, she might need to drive it in a pinch, and it needed to have some back seats. Mm. Of course, he ended up with a black 2003 Jaguar XK8 convertible. That follows the words of course. What? I, that's not an of course. That's a you'll never believe what I found. That's an interesting car, man. A 2003 Jaguar XK8 convertible. He said he drove it from Virginia to Ohio. He went down in his friend's 1997 XK8, bought this 2003 for $9,700, less than 10 grand, with 90,000 miles on the odometer. And he and his buddy rolled back to central Virginia each of them in a convertible Jag. He said he'd never felt more like a couple of ballers. I love that story. I also think the only reason, because here's the thing, of course you ended up with does not make any sense, followed by 2003 Jaguar XK8 until you tell me that you have a friend with one. And now I get it. Luckily, that friend is not only a Jag owner, he's also a skilled mechanic at a Euro car shop, so he's been able to get this car into great running order. This sounds like a perfect choice, man. I love this. Dammy says it's been mostly trouble-free, and thanks to internet sleuthing, he's been able to procure parts for fairly cheap. A reliable Jag. Everyone, come see. That might be why people look. He said he gets looks everywhere he goes. I don't think it's because of reliable Jag. They're actually good-looking cars, <laughs> but that is another reason to look. It's like that one's running right there. That's great. Dammy, that is fantastic. I'm so glad you're enjoying this, and I'm so glad you bought something totally different, way mm -hmm. outside your wheelhouse, for however long you have this car. Yeah. I love that you're enjoying getting that new experience. It's yeah, fantastic. He's telling already, he's telling stories about the good memories he's already had in this car. And I'm sitting here going, that is an utter victory, Dammy, to have a car where you're yes. just like, you won't believe the cool experiences I've already had. That's great. Jordan S. writes to us. You remember the uh, the 25th grade guy? I do. The guy who the went to school for grade. 25 grades of school. Mm -hmm. It was about a year ago, and Jordan was listening to the recent episode which with the speech therapist, a fellow something 20-ish grade graduate, which inspired him to write to us. Love it. His first year in practice has been going well. It's gratifying to not be in school anymore. So glad you're not in school. Yeah, for sure. He's writing to us with a conclusion and a question. You may recall that he wrote to us with a car debate regarding a sporty four-seater sedan. He had a one-year-old who is now two years old. That's how that works. Sibling mm -hmm. on the way. He wanted wow. a spirited daily with a great interior that could be comfortably fit a car seat for daycare pickups and drop-offs. 
I apparently recommended the two turbo supercharged hybrid NOST out Volvo <laughs> S60. They have NOS from the factory. <laughs> the Volvo NOS. That's cool. Todd recommended the Alpha Julia. Not a surprise. <laughs> he wrote in hoping that we could steer him away from an M340i because his wife already has an X3. He was trying to avoid the driveway appearing like a dealership, like a CPO BMW catalog cover. <laughs> but he says uh, we didn't do well enough. He was worried about the uh, uh. the longevity of the his description. Mutant S60 and the Alpha Julia's interior was not enough for him. I agree. It's it's not it's not as nice an interior as some of its competitors, and I totally agree with that. But he said while he did buy that uh, M340, he was hoping we'd talk him out of. <laughs> the good news is he loves it. He got the cognac interior, which he thinks really pops, and uh, he said it drives really, really well. The M adaptive suspension is great. It can be a monster. It can be a nice family car. He said he's he's not that concerned with the odd Cheerio crumb sippy cup fling. It's good because that's happening. I know it is. <laughs> and he said, thankfully, since he got it in rear-wheel drive, it's quite playful. So he's thrilled. And then the addendum here is, the dad addendum, is that the car seat does fit in rear or front-facing orientation, which is, that's a victory in and of itself. His question is about Piano Black. <laughs> We're all questioning Piano Black, Jordan. That's really what's happening. His favorite part about the current 3 Series is the lack of Piano Black in the interior. Mm, mm. It says there's a ring in the never touch point around the front vents and another around the high touch point toggle shifter, but it's just a little bit. Mm -hmm. The rest of the touch points in the car are devoid of Piano Black, including a steering wheel with all physical buttons. That's a score. But he says this is in stark contrast to many of its competitors, the mm -hmm. S60 included, yep. and even that Julia does very well here. Why are car manufacturers so committed to this material? It's been around for at least a decade, you're right, and derided by everyone from critics to customers. Why has nobody mm -hmm. uttered the phrase, nice piano black trim on the console? <laughs> or make sure you spec it out with piano black. <laughs> what is it with piano black? Why is it mm -hmm. cheaper than fake wood or textured plastic or anything? And car manufacturers are starting to veer away from it, but then it comes back at times stronger than ever, like the new Porsche and Mercedes products, he says. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Is there any way that we can put an end to this? Jordan, <laughs> we have ranted about Piano Black for yeah. quite a while now, yeah, but have. it looks good. It's shiny. People like to buy shiny things. Here's the thing. If you have a shiny piece of plastic trim, I'm not talking Piano Black. I'm talking the plastic molded black gray plastic you use in the interior of a car and that looks shiny it looks cheap yeah but if you have yeah. piano black that goes for the mirror piano finish for the 35 seconds in which it's clean it looks very expensive but it's also just yeah. a piece of interior plastic and because that super shiny look seems expensive Manufacturers keep clinging to it, even though it, for any person, I, I believe even the interior designers know that it is just a countdown until that material looks terrible, but at least it looks right good the minute we put it in. Exactly. And the minute it's put in, that means it's sitting in the showroom. The people who initially buy the car, it's very attractive when you're looking at the car mm. for the first time and you see it in the showroom and you see it in photos. It looks gorgeous. Looks glossy. It doesn't take into consideration the actual usage. Yep. I do agree there are some car manufacturers recognizing this, but we went through this with a glut of chrome in the interiors. People, yeah, you're right. Car manufacturers are trying to put shiny things. Shine, we like mm, to, mm -hmm. we like a raccoon, the shiny thing. We can't <laughs> Ooh, let go of the shiny thing. Shiny. <laughs> so, Let's have more shiny. Yes. Car manufacturers went through this chrome phase. Now we've got the piano black phase. I would like aluminum. I would like low polished kinds of things. Nickel trim is nice, mm -hmm. but low amounts of it. But 
shiny and brightness, bright, bright work indicates luxury. It does. It does. I hate to say that. So we're encouraging all of our car manufacturer friends to finally go away from that and continue to explore other materials that don't scratch, don't fingerprint, that you can wipe down easily, make the interiors so the dust and dirt doesn't collect in the crevices. <laughs> this is an issue. Yeah. But yes, we're, we're against, we're the anti-piano black crusade over here. We are. Well, but you know, everything used to have vinyl seats for a while and those eventually went away. So maybe there's hope. <laughs> Thin thread of hope. Teresa's writing in with a, a new favorite story of mine because she ended up with, I'm going to uh, give away the, the spoiler here. She ended up with a 2024 BMW X3 M40i and loves it. But what I like is the story that got her there <laughs> because she's, she said she's listened to the podcast and the more she would listen, the more she would just frown when she'd get into her 2018 Grand Cherokee. Now, I'm sorry that you weren't enjoying it, but what I like is the fact that as you were listening to the podcast and you and your husband were talking about cars, you started to go, I want something I really like, and this isn't it. Well, Teresa, thank you for writing. When she started listening, she had leased a 2021 Audi Q3 several months prior, and she says, trust me, I know it's not fun, and she had come out of that Grand Cherokee, but she didn't want a car that was more body on frame. And in 2021, with the car shortage, she had few options, hence the Q3. Mm -hmm. She admits to being naive and negligent in her car shopping. She didn't care about what she drove because she was always in New York City traffic. Mm -hmm. But her husband had a C43 Mercedes at the time, and she learned to love driving from that C43. Learned That's, to appreciate great design and engineering. Cool. And she said she learned to appreciate it from watching the reviews and listening to the podcast. And Teresa, that's... Fantastic and amazing. That's very cool. Thank we you. can't have been the only ones to influence that. Yeah, that. but I'm, hey, I'm glad to have been a part of it, but that's really cool to hear. Yeah, for sure. Teresa thought she had made up her mind on her next car when the Q3 lease came up in October 2023, and she had decided on a certified pre-owned BMW X5. A 2021 X5. She'd found it. She thought it was great. She said, this is awesome. But she had heard us mention at least once to do some drive homework and drive some other things. So she started driving other things. She went to dealerships. She tried all kinds of things. Just Sometimes she'd just sit in cars and just sitting in it was like, nope, this isn't it. None of them made her feel special. And since driving her husband's C43, she wanted to love the car she was in. After looking at what she felt like was every other car, they went to the BMW dealership. But before walking over to the X5 that she thought was the answer, the mm -hmm. light from heaven is shining down on it. Also on the lot was a 2022 X3. Well, you know where the story's going. She was just like, hmm, what about that? Teresa said before she could even ask, hey, what's that car? Her husband was inside the dealership asking for the keys. <laughs> good man, good man. <laughs> Keep in mind, Teresa was still set on the X5. She test drove it and couldn't think of new superlatives mm. to write about. And the entire time she's repeating words that her four and seven-year-old boys in the back should not have been hearing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, good. Even after returning to the dealership with a grin, she wanted the X5, but then her husband convinced her to drive the X5 right after the X3 so she could compare it. And Teresa, this is the reason we do back-to-back -back seat time with all yes. of the comparisons that yes. we do. Boy, was Teresa disappointed. So she didn't plan on the X3 at all. She goes to the dealership to drive the X5. Her husband gets her in the X3, which she loves. Then she climbs in the X5, which was the hero car that she was going to buy. And the mm. X5 is now disappointing. That's crazy. Her husband decided to put on our review of the 2023 X3 M40i. <laughs> and she was convinced. I love it. That's great. 
She was disappointed because the car she thought she wanted mm. didn't excite her the way she thought it would. That X5. She's a fan human now. That's the term <laughs> we coined in the review. Yes, we did. Yes. It's a large number when you think only doing 60 miles an hour, but no, she realized she's not doing 60. Mm-hmm. Push the sport button and the car just screams, let's do this. <laughs> I like that you wrote, it's a daily masquerading as a cute SUV while hiding a beast of an engine, which she says this doesn't have 382 horsepower. Teresa, you're right. BMW sandbags. <laughs> Whatever the number is, is like the number that BMW claims for the worst possible conditions, and you may be even down a cylinder. I mean, the, it, their, their numbers are crazy. At first, I thought, were you driving the X5, X3M? <laughs> no, it's still 382 horsepower. That's what BMW claims. So she found a 2024 model X3M40i in Brooklyn Gray. I like that, you know, you're in New York City traffic and you and found now, the Brooklyn and now Gray. She went, well, here's the thing. She drove that 2022 and now they started shopping new ones. I, that was not lost on me. I didn't, I didn't overlook that, Teresa. You guys now started shopping new ones. I like that she could hear both of our voices in her head. <laughs> We've ruined you. I'm sorry. And thank you all at once. Teresa, so well bought, so glad that you found something that you're passionate about. Mm. And I'm glad that you were at least willing to take a drive because Mm -hmm. you're right. The Q3 was a squish and then you thought (laughs) the X5 was going to work. And then you thought X3, what's this? And then you found it, loved it, fell in love. Jason is in Vancouver writing to us about a full garage overhaul. Mm. Should he replace the Tesla? He currently owns a 2016 Mercedes GLC and a 2021 Tesla Model 3. Hmm. So what you need is a Cybertruck and you're done. Yes. We want a pickup truck. You sell it all, you buy a Cybertruck. Somehow the fact that the two of you need two cars is irrelevant. Cybertruck is here to solve all things. Cyber Beast. Can you spring for the Cyber Beast? <laughs> That's the only one for sale right out front. You can drive on the bottom of the ocean with it. Apparently. You can take it to Undersides of tunnels. Space. Go to space. Yes. Oh, sorry. We're off track. <laughs> Back to reality. Mercedes is the wife's every day and takes care of the majority of baby duties. Okay. But the way the trunk is shaped, it can fit a stroller and very little else. Mm. Other than that minor gripe, it's in pretty good shape and has been reliable aside from an oil sensor needing to be replaced after the warranty ran out. Uh, that's always when it happens, yeah. Then the Tesla is their commute car. But when Jason has to drive to work or they have to run errands further than a 10-kilometer radius from their house, he says gas is expensive in Vancouver and they love the Tesla, but the way the seat is shaped has caused Jason brutal back pain since the first day of ownership. I can't believe you still have it at all. When I I read that sentence, I was like, you are really tolerating that car if it has hurt your back since the first day. They also want it to be a little bit higher so it's easier to load, unload their one-year-old, but... Jason is thinking about replacing at least the Tesla with a new experience, but would like to replace it with another EV. Okay. And he does say an EV truck would be great. And you give us no reasons why you need an EV truck. <laughs> I do want to <laughs> point true. that out. There's nothing in your story that says you need a truck, but you think an EV truck would be great. I think what's happened here is that you've just seen that the Cybertruck was coming. Anyway, but you said you'd settle <laughs> for an SUV. So I think that's interesting. Onward. Jason would like to at least replace, well, at least the Tesla, but re- replace both vehicles, get his wife in a slightly newer PHEV and okay. get an EV for himself. The budget is 160000 Canadian for both. That's okay. $118,000 US. Or for just replacing one vehicle, that would be a $100,000 budget, which is 74000 US. Okay. He's driven the Mercedes EQE, the Tesla Model Y, and both configurations of the Rivian, the R1T and the R1S. He's not impressed with the EQE SUV for its price, and its value is hard to justify compared to a slightly used GLE. I agree. I think Mercedes is trying really hard in the EV space, but I think the price for what you get at this point, just they don't connect. Anyway. Tesla seats kill his back, and the Rivians are out of his budget. 
So mm. he wants to hear our suggestions, especially on the ice versus PHEV options for his wife. And he's got the Lyric on his short list to replace the Tesla. I love that you've got that on the list. Have you driven oh. one yet or been in one? Because we were genuinely surprised with the Cadillac Lyric. Now that platform is about to be under like every other car out there. But in <laughs> yeah. Lyric form, it is surprisingly affordable. Watch our, our test drive we did on it. Surprisingly affordable EV, and we were pretty impressed with it because of the price point, which was like 65 grand loaded. Like mm -hmm. everything was 65 grand. I expect it to be much more than that. Is there a reason to get rid of the Tesla besides the seats? Mm. And I ask because as a, an option, could you have the seats re-sculpted for you just to save some money? Because if you've got a Tesla and you like it and it runs and you like everything else about it, is there really a reason to get rid of it? So he's putting racing seats in his Tesla. Yes. <laughs> Four-point harness yes. in my Tesla. It's actually a car with straight-line speed that justifies a four-point harness racing seat now that I think about it. Moving See, on. See, Tesla needs to offer seat upgrades for all of its vehicles. They probably should. This Now's the time to do it. I mean, that would be a great opportunity to earn some extra cash, <laughs> put better seats in all of your cars. Look, Jason, I'm not impressed with things like the Volkswagen ID4. I don't think the Mach-E is on your consideration list. I thought of the Nissan Aria, but... I can't figure out what is Nissan like about it and mm. what is compelling. I'd rather have you buy a Tesla, but you hate the seats. Also, Nissan is adopting the Tesla North American charging standard in the U.S. and Canada beginning in 2025. So if you are interested, good news, you'll be using the Tesla charger network anyway. Mm -hmm. The charging options, I'm guessing at your house, which is fine, which means you could explore things like Audis, like the Q4 e-tron for yourself. I had to go back and reread your email. I like that you're considering the Cadillac, but you're talking about seats. And for mm. years, decades now, Todd and I have been talking about Volvo and BMW offering the best seats on the market. Mm -hmm. Consistently, they rank mm -hmm. the best. Yep. So therefore, for your wife, you should get a Volvo XC60 Recharge PHEV. Top of my list for her. Totally agree. For yourself, go for the new BMW i5. It's the new electric 5 series because I mm. don't like the i4 because the beaver teeth, but the i5 doesn't have the beaver teeth. That's interesting because I noted the i4. I didn't think about the i5 to get him away from the teeth. That's Brand a good point. new. Yeah, that's a very I good point. i5 yeah. for your needs. The i4 was wicked quick. Uh, it, it was essentially the electric M3. That's what the note yes. I have on it here. I just, the, I, the problem was that styling. You're right. The i5 solves. I hadn't thought about it like that. That's very good. Jason, I just read that Volvo Car USA and Canada sold 13,077 cars in November 2023, which is up 28.7% over the same period last year, especially recharge models. Volvo's selling cars, they are great. And I think you should consider both of these car companies because they just have great seats. I think no matter mm -hmm. what you drive, whether your wife takes the BMW, you take the Volvo, you'll still be very happy. And I do think whatever your body size, we don't know how large you are, yep, yep. this will really fit for your life. That's a PHEV and it'll work for your growing family. And then you've got this really quick and I'm really curious to drive. We've not driven it yet, but consistently there's always things to like about the 5 Series BMW. I mean, what a benchmark yep. in its class. Now this is the EV version of that. The i4 was shockingly quick. Yeah, it was, it was it never ceased to surprise us, even when you weren't in sport mode. Sport mode was like, are we trying to hurt someone? <laughs> yes. I was I was really surprised. And man, aren't these seats great? <laughs> yeah, exactly. J Jason, I'm going to totally agree with Paul's choices. I'm going to give you some options because I think the key thing here for you, because of the experience you've had with those Tesla seats, is you have got to do a lot of drive homework. Mm -hmm. And I want you to drive a ton of stuff, even stuff that isn't like maybe on the fringe, okay? So while I 100% agree with Paul's choice of the XC60, 
You also keep in mind they've got the wagon version, the V60 or the V90. There's Sweet. even the XC90 if you need more space. Those are all available in that recharge model. Obviously, prices vary there. But all the Volvo seats will be great. I also want you to drive the PHEV Cayenne E-Hybrid. That's At least good. drive it. Now, I don't Seats know that it's going to have much more space than your GLC, but it's going to have very different dynamic and feel than the GLC does. So drive the e-hybrid. I think that's worth it. Also, drive the BMW X5. That's the xDrive 45e. That is their plug-in hybrid. Now, the problem with the e-hybrid Cayenne is it's like... 20 miles. The X5 is, I think, like 30 or 40. I'm getting going to get it wrong here, but the X5 is a, a good size SUV that actually does some decent PHEV stuff, so definitely drive that as well. Again, BMW seats there as well. On the EVs, uh, you need to sit in the Lyric. I like that it's on your radar. Mm-hmm. Sit in it and see if the seats are good. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. only you can say. Did you know they're still selling the Jaguar I-Pace? Jaguar still exists. Technically, they are still selling that. That is out there. I like your BMW i5 a lot, but you know what the alts are here for you, Jason, and that is Genesis, the GV60, would be a really nice choice. That's good. The GV60 Genesis, or you can actually get the alt. I kind of prefer the styling of the Kia EV6. Now, it's not as nice inside. The GV60 is a very nice place to be in. So look at that as well. Those are all of my drive homework. And then I just decided to get goofy for Jason based on some of the things he'd said and thought about a couple of wild cards. For a plug-in hybrid, you could look at the Prius Prime. You're not an <laughs> SUV anymore, but yeah, the Prius Prime, yeah. it gets 30-something miles uh, in all electric, and then it's actually, you know, we've actually thoroughly enjoyed our little Prius loaner, which is going away soon as we shed a tear. But then the real wild card for you, Jason, is you said, I kind of like a an EV truck. You don't give us any reasons why, which I think is hysterical. (laughs) So you know what you should look at is the Wrangler 4xe. There's my super wild card for Jason, the 4xe. Well, that's interesting. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but if we're test driving and you're thinking (laughs) truck, it's not the Cybertruck, but the 4xe is the Wrangler that everybody wants at this point, and uh, at least that system works well, so give it a look. If you've got car conclusions, topic Tuesdays, and car debates, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Thank you guys, as always, for posting questions. Now, I want to remind you that if you have a car debate, please send that to our email, everydaydrivertv at gmail. Also send in Topic Tuesdays and those kind of things. We post on Mondays and Thursdays, generally, was when we record our podcast. We ask for questions on social media. We also pull them off of Discord. All of our patrons are on Discord, which is really cool, and we love that community there. And then every now and then, you'll just throw out a little question right there on social media like you should. And then I read it and I go, oh, that's going to take some research. That's a topic Tuesday. I've got one right here from Adrian who said, do we have a list posted somewhere of all of our current and past cars? Mm. And I sat down and thought, I don't even think I could list them all off the top of my head. I think I need a minute. And then while we're going to actually think about it, I want to reflect on them too. So we'll actually answer that. We're going to take some time and do it right. Question over here from Marvin47. It's kind of a track daily product. It's kind of a track daily crush. He wants to know which of these three cars that we will approve for production or own the only working model of them in the world mm. or erase from collective memory like Men in Black style with the All little right. flashy I thing. I see it, yeah. Did you little flashy thing me? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no. For GT90, mm. approve for production, own the only working model of or flashy thing. I'm with you so far. The Ford Indigo. Remember this from 1996. This is sort of like a IndyCar two-seater kind of a open wheel concept from Ford that I really liked. Mm. And the Shelby GR1, which didn't need to be polished, but was a cool concept for continuing the Shelby Daytona. 
I disdain the GT90. It was <laughs> offensive know. stylistically, and mm -hmm. it was offensive because Ford destroyed the serial number 0001 Jaguar XJ220 to build that thing. <sighs> when I interned for Ford, Marvin, I found out that all these employees who worked for Ford on that project were sad. They mm. threw all the extra parts of the Jag in the corner and employees took them home. They grabbed whatever part they could get and mm -hmm. with a photo, like mounted it on their wall in their basement next to their pool table. Oh. Like, man, Jag XJ, this is the part. One. The, the zero one becomes a concept car for no reason. Yes. Essentially, yeah. And not just any concept car. It wasn't a great looking concept car. And it was mm. during Ford's exploratory, like, who are we as a company? And <laughs> let's explore know. a new design language that never really worked and was never implemented on any future Ford. <laughs> Because you remember the Taurus at that time? How, how do you feel, Paul? The 96 Taurus at the time was just like, let's draw ellipses with our shoulders. Like, You're right. Yeah, it was like everything oh, was super rounded. Nothing from Ford's lineup matched that, and they, they never took it forward. So therefore, I will erase from all of our collective memory okay. the Ford GT90. I am sorry that you had to look it up on the internet. Just pretend you're flashy thinging yourself. And how much do we think that 001 Jaguar XJ220 would be worth if it existed? Ford could sell it and ah, uh, anyway, it's a whole separate something thing. with the money for the other two, the Ford Indigo, I think should have been approved for production, even low production, because mm. it would have said to the car enthusiast community, look at what we're doing. We're doing cool stuff. It's like a competitor. And I mean, this actually is a compliment. It's like a competitor to the Prowler. It's the car you don't expect being sold from a major manufacturer. It's a better looking Prowler. It actually. is. It is. It's interesting. But I think it's one of those cars where it, it's not going to sell in big numbers. But isn't it cool that it exists? That, that, that's a good one. I like it. And speaking of cool that exists, the Shelby GR1. Yes, I would like to own the only working model of the Shelby GR1. That's a cool looking car. That's you know a what? nice homage. I'm there. totally going to agree with you. I think that's a great choice. Bravo. Brandomness on Instagram asks an interesting question. We have joked before about the MQB platform. Uh, from Volkswagen and how it makes everything. We've drive. joked about it. A We've times. made fun of it. Yeah, it's in that weird. Us. I, I, th I think. I think so. Yeah. He said. So hang on. If everything feels kind of the same, if the Volkswagen Atlas is based on the Golf's architecture, doesn't that make the Atlas drive small? And isn't that a good thing? Here's how the Atlas drives. The Atlas drives. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm ready for this. This is it, gonna be good. It, it drives like <laughs> the Golf. Put on a bunch of super warm ski gear. Okay. So it's the same feeling. Like you know how you feel when you put on like too many layers of ski yeah. gear, but you're not skiing yet. <laughs> like, like Joey and friends, you're like he puts on all his exactly. clothes. Exactly. I'm wearing everything you own. <laughs> I, I, you're just standing there, or about to climb into your car, and you're wearing all of these layers. It's still you. You still move like you expect. It's just bigger, and that's what the Atlas drives like. It's like a golf wearing ski gear. Mitchell E on Facebook asks if the Lagonda Taraf by Aston Martin. Is this the ultimate expression of the Volkswagen Phaeton philosophy? Mm. I didn't know there was a Phaeton philosophy. Apparently, yeah. What is the Phaeton philosophy? Like, <laughs> it's collapsing everything as soon as you buy it. No, or? no, 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 no. It's it's we're going. We are the brand you least expect to make this crazy moonshot thing. Cybertruck. Anyway, si separate thing. <laughs> Surprise, it, everyone. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. And by the same measure is the Lagonda of the eighties, the Phaeton of the eighties. Huh? Maybe. I see, I see where you're going here. I really do. Yeah. And Marcus T says, isn't Phaeton philosophy just Mercedes S-Class philosophy? 
Except you expect it from Mercedes. That's why it's not. I guess so. Because Merce- you expect Mercedes to do a new S-Class that is the new, everything you didn't know you needed on a car, super luxury, ridiculously expensive, and more technology that can ever possibly run reliably. That is the S-Class. We know them to do that, and they're going to do another one and another one and another one. The thing about the Phaeton is it's the brand you don't expect tries to do that. Yeah. And with the possible yeah. exception of Lexus, it's rarely worked. Oh, well, Mitchell continues. He says, you know, needlessly over-engineered. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. That's I like good. that approach to everything. Yep. I mean, that's pretty much Bugatti's kind of headspace, even though I, I take that back. For for high speeds that those can do, you, you do have to have excellent engineering. But I think, Mitchell, Aston is trying to do bespoke. Mm. Aston is trying to really continually separate itself by building the cars you know that almost every manufacturer will build you if you really want something and mm. take enough money to them. But <laughs> that kind of Aston customer wants something no one else has. That's good. That's they don't good. want Ferraris. They don't want the Italians. They mm. don't want the mm. Germans. They want something totally different, totally unexpected. Brits are excellent. They've got a track record of building whatever you want in yeah, mostly in a shed. But, You're right. <laughs> you know. But it looks really good when it came out of the shed. They just, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's Aston's try it. Bringing back a nameplate, they know they probably couldn't sell in volume, so mm. we'll offer this as the, mm. hey, you want the one-off, you want the cool special thing, but then you have to really take into consideration, how often are you going to drive this, where is it parked, and where are you going to get it serviced? <laughs> Clayton is asking podcast info. He said, how many subscribers do we have, and how many more do you need before advertisers are interested? Clayton, are you starting a podcast? I just get the <laughs> sense you are starting on this journey of podcasting. You know, here's the thing. When we started in 2014, I already felt like people really knew what podcasts were. And then we spent the next three or four years talking to sponsors who went, a, a pod a pod, what? <laughs> a, a ca- is, are you on the radio? What's... Named after a product that no longer exactly, exists. Which is even more confusing. So there's that. Since COVID, there has been an explosion in podcasts. True. true. Uh, the, the joke used to be everyone has a podcast. Now I actually think it's true. <laughs> and I also think everybody that had a blog in the year 2000 now has a podcast. And I'll, and I'll go one further. That's funny. Many of them are not good. That's true. Okay. And I, and I, don't, I actually don't know what the threshold is where you now have enough listeners. That's the reality of podcasts. The podcast analytics are still kind of the Wild West. And we still get competing analytics. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah. well, that person said this and this group over here says that. And so yeah. we yeah. – but the only way to do it is really not subscribe. It's not like YouTube – and the way it is like YouTube, I guess, is YouTube is most concerned about views now and podcast advertisers are most concerned about number of listeners per episode. We do okay there. By the time we actually got into worry about advertising, we were high above most advertisers' thresholds, which is good. But in the modern time, I can't begin to tell you how many it is. There's so many podcasts. I think if you have more than your family listening, it's probably a success. <laughs> On Facebook, Dammy, yes, the same Dammy who wrote to us his car yeah, conclusion, great. asks us a quick question about the new Mustang. Have we warmed up to the looks, the mm. style of mm. this Mustang? Dammy didn't like the last gen and somehow thinks this new one looks worse. Ooh. Are you saying they should have taken the GT90 style language from back in the <laughs> 90s, Dammy? But he thinks the new Stang, especially in dark horse trim or that horrible looking California special blue trim, is flat out a bad looking car. Interesting. I will ask you, Dammy, to reserve until you see one in person. And mm, you can spend mm. time, not just see it in traffic. Moving is very helpful. Cars is, should yes. be observed moving. They're beautiful when they move. But when you have a chance to walk around and look at proportions of the new one, then tell us. Then look at everything, how the surfaces relate to you, the size and shape of things, how they relate to you, the distance, the spatial distance, how they relate to each other. 
a, a wheel arch, a surface. How does that relate to the overall shape, the overall proportion of the car? Because I hate to admit it to you, I do think it looks pretty good in person, and I didn't like it in photos. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we've got another review up our sleeve. Yep. We've got a Dark Horse Mustang that we compared directly to the Nismo Z, and we couldn't resist, so we had to add a GR Super in there too. Get this, all three automatic transmissions. Mm -hmm. uh, it's coming early next year, early in January. A few I'm weeks. I'm very excited about weeks. it. But between now and then, I have to say it again, is this price of fun monster. That does not have a Dark Horse in it, but you know, one coming. <laughs> Thank you for your questions, for your great interaction. We yeah. really appreciate it. And as Todd said, price of fun, that is coming. This entire week, we're releasing photos. Because we're all editing round the clock and going, have you seen this shot yet? That's what's <laughs> happening, yeah, for sure. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone. Cheers.